Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Mysteries and Murders. I'm your host Lois and today's case is another murder. Um, But before we get into that, how is everyone? Um, I'm doing well, but like my microphone just completely broke. So sorry if the audio on this sounds a bit different. I'm having to record on my phone, which is kind of annoying. Also, I know that I said I was going to record last week's episode and put it on YouTube so that you could, like, watch on YouTube or listen on YouTube, Um, but I decided not to do that because I just didn't like the way that I looked, like, the angle that I was recording from and um, just I wasn't wearing any makeup and I just didn't like it, so I'm sorry about that, it's not on YouTube yet, I might do that in the future. I am also trying a different kind of schedule thing where I just do one podcast a week, so, um, I was just thinking that I would do, instead of having a part one of a case coming out on Tuesday and then the part two coming out on Saturday, I would just do the whole case on one day and choose that's Tuesday um it's actually not Tuesday today it's Wednesday today um but my manager has like upped my hours and I've been very busy this past week so I haven't had the time to record yet so that's why this episode is coming out on Wednesday but in the future I will just put everything out on a Tuesday Okay, now that I've said everything that I wanted to say, I'm going to get into today's case. So, today's case is the murders of Loria Bible and Ashley Freeman. Um, For around 20 years, this was a missing persons case, but now I do believe it is more of a murder case. I wasn't really sure whether to call it a murder or disappearance, but they've found, like, a guy who they're pretty sure is like has murdered the two girls so and like the most recent updates have been calling it a murder case so that's what I'm going with um so this case takes place in Oklahoma which is this in the south central region of the United States um in case you didn't know I didn't know that I'm really bad at geography and stuff so um but more specifically, the case takes place in Welch, which is a town in Oklahoma, and a very, very small town. Um, some sources actually say that this case took place in Vinita, Oklahoma, which is also in Craig County. Um, Welch is in Craig County, but um, it was actually in Welch, not Vinita. Um, and Welch is just a small, close-knit community um, very, very small. In 2010, the population was at 619 inhabitants, so very, very small town. Um, I live in a small town, but it's got, like, a lot more people than 619, so, um, yeah. Ashley Freeman was born on the 29th of December, 1983, She was five foot seven inches. She had blue eyes, dark blonde hair. She played basketball and her parents were Kathy and Danny Freeman. Laura Bible. I don't actually know how 
you're supposed to say her name. I, like all of the other, like, podcasts and, like, documentaries that I've watched have pronounced her name Laura, but, like, from the way it's, you read it, I just want to say Loria. I don't know, though. Um, it's kind of like my name. People always want to, like, call me Louise, um, and sometimes I get called Louie, which is a boy's name, and I'm obviously not a boy, but, um, yeah, my name is Lois, um, and that's how you say it, but people get, like, really confused, so I think her name, anyway, is pronounced Laura, but I'm, I'm just not 100% sure, that's how I'm gonna say it, because, like, that's how, kind of, I've heard everyone else say it, so Laura Bible was born on the 18th of April, 1983, she was five foot five inches, she had hazel eyes, brown hair, she was a cheerleader, and her parents are Jay and Lorene Bible. Um, sorry, I'm just, like, laughing because I've been trying to record this part for ages, but I keep, like, like, mispronouncing words, and I keep, like, um, saying information wrong, and then I just, like, keep deleting it and starting again, so I'm gonna try this. I'm so sorry. Um, so Laura Bible's mother, Laureen, told Unsolved Mysteries that Laura and Ashley were so close that they would call each other at least once a week, and what one was thinking, the other was thinking, so it was kind of like they shared a mind, they were just very close best friends, Um, and they were both 16 at the time of their disappearance. So now let's um, look at the timeline of the day that everything kind of went down, the whole incident happened. Um, So it was December 29th, 1999, and that was Ashley Freeman's birthday. Loria Bible pulled into the driveway of her parents' house to ask for their permission to sleep over at the Freeman's house for Ashley's birthday. Her father, Jay, says it's okay and told her to be home by noon the next day to take care of her family's animals. I think she lived on, like, a farm or something. Um, Her animals were, like, pigs. So, I'm assuming. I don't exactly know, though. It's not clear. Um, And she told him, I love you, Daddy, and left to go to the Freemans. And that's so sad because that's, like, the last thing she said to him. At some point during the night, the Freeman's trailer home became engulfed in flames and some sources actually described it as an inferno. So it was just the whole trailer just consumed by fire. Um, so now let's, now let's skip forward to December 30th. In the early morning, a couple on their way to work saw the smoke coming from the Freeman's home and called the fire department. Firemen arrived at the scene at around 5.30am to put out the fire. George Vaughan, the local Craig County Sheriff, also arrived to what appeared to be the scene of a suspicious fire. Jay and Lorene Bible, parents of Laura, soon arrived. They learned that a female body had been found in the ruins. 
Laura's car was also parked at the property, but the parents were given no information of the whereabouts of their daughter. They didn't know if who the female body was. Um, I can't even imagine what that's like. Um, the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigations told everyone that they had to wait until 2pm to find out who the body was. And that's five hours they had to wait. I couldn't even imagine having to wait that long. Um, I feel awful for Jay and Lorene Bible just having to like wait like that to find out if your daughter is dead. Um, and many actually criticise the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigations for this, as they could have attempted to identify the body themselves. Obviously, like, they would have been able to kind of maybe figure out the age um, from the size of the body or, like, some jewellery that, that was on the body. Maybe they could figure out who it belonged to and that would determine who it was. Um, the coroner was actually able to determine that it was most likely Kathy Freeman because the body had a wedding band on and was broad-shouldered was broad-shouldered and had larger shoulders than the 16-year-old girls would have. Um, So obviously, like, they could have determined that themselves. They didn't necessarily need a coroner for that. Um, And a report filed later that evening stated that Kathy Freeman had died prior to the fire from a shotgun wound to the head. This news shocked everyone and the arson squad determined that the fire in the Freeman trailer home, the trailer home, was most likely deliberately set as a cover for the murder, which shocked everyone. So first of all, Kathy Freeman didn't die in the fire. She was murdered by someone. Um, And second of all, the fire was arson. It wasn't an accident um, and like... Obviously, this case just got a lot more complicated and confusing. At this point in the case, the main suspect in Kathy Freeman's murder and the disappearance of Laura and Ashley was Danny Freeman, Ashley Freeman's father, um, who, yeah, Ashley was also missing at this point, obviously. According to locals, Danny Freeman had anger issues and was a drug dealer of cannabis and possibly methamphetamines. I do not know about drugs, honestly. I don't know if I said that right. Is it is it just meth? I don't know. I'm sorry if that's wrong. Um, but yeah, possibly a drug dealer of cannabis and methamphetamines. So on December 31st, 1999, the OSBI allowed Jay and Laureen Bible to search the burnt-out trailer for clues to do with their daughter's disappearance. So they turned up early in the morning at the crime scene to search. And at this point, they were looking for the bodies of their daughters or their daughter and her daughter's friend in the fire Um, that's kind of what they were expecting. Within five minutes of searching the ruins, they found another body which had been trampled over by investigators the day before. Um, They immediately identified the body 
as an adult male who had also been shot in the head. It was obvious that he had on grey trousers, a white t-shirt and a flannel shirt. It was also clear that there was boot marks down his whole torso where he'd been walked over the day before. Um, And honestly, how did they not see the second body? It was Jay, um, Laura's father, said, how did nobody notice is beyond me. But it was plain and simple and easy to see. That's a quote from Jay Bible. Police botched the investigation. How did they not see Danny? He was like clearly there. They obviously didn't search well enough um, at the scene. And also, why did they allow the parents of Laura to go and search the scene? It should have been off limits, in my opinion. Um, It should have been like a crime scene. Obviously, someone had been murdered. um, And two teenage girls were missing. So it should have been a crime scene and they should have been like, they should have been, they should have been looking for forensic evidence and stuff. I don't know how exactly it works, especially since the whole kind of scene had been burnt down, but I still think it should have been a actual crime scene and like taped off for no one to see. Um, Lorene called 911 and Danny Freeman's brother, who determined that the body was that of Danny Freeman because he could see the stainless steel wire in Danny Freeman's face um, that had been used in his reconstructive surgery. Um, The OSBI now claimed that the girls were hiding out, which doesn't make sense. Why would they be hiding out? That makes no sense to me at all. Um... It's kind of obvious that they were taken. Jay and Loreen continued to sift sift through the ashes of the crime scene. There was no trace of Laura or Ashley, but they found enough personal items to establish that the girls didn't leave of their own volition. They found Laura's purse, which contained $200 and her driver's license. Why would she leave this if she was hiding out? She, like, you'd need $200. You'd need you'd need your driver's license. Um, Laura's car was also still left in the driveway, so how would she have left? It makes no sense at all. And I just don't believe the OSBI's theory at this point. The OSBI also failed to post the girls' details on the national database as missing juveniles, which is another major blunder in the case. Um, So Laureen started making missing persons posters and began the campaign to find Laura and Ashley. Details about the Freeman family soon began to circulate in the media and rumours began to spread about them. Um, It is unclear whether any of this is actually true because obviously the Freeman family was murdered. So we don't know if any of this is true. No one can confirm it. Um, may, I, I reckon a lot of it is, some of it maybe is true, but a lot of it is probably taken out of proportion. That's usually how rumours are. Like, there's some truth to it, but a lot of it is absolute rubbish. Um, 
So Ashley Freeman actually had a brother called Shane. He was 17 and he was known as a bit of a troublemaker. He was known to burgle houses and he was on the run. He was living in a stolen truck when a police deputy found him. The deputy shot Shane dead when he pro- when he um, produced a gun. For months before the girl's disappearance, it had been rumoured that the Craig County Sheriff's Department was feuding with the Freemans over Shane's death. His death was ruled justifiable, but the Freemans threatened that they would file a wrongful death lawsuit against the Sheriff's Department. Dwayne, Danny's brother, claimed that Danny told him that the deputies at the Craig County Sheriff's Department were trying to intimidate him and his family by telling them that they could do anything they wanted to him and his family and he couldn't do anything about it. Um, The Craig County Sheriff's Department turned the case over to the OSBI um, voluntarily. Deputies from the Sheriff's Department also agreed to do a polygraph test, which was... Um, all of them were conclusive and showed that the deputies were not involved. Um, however, polygraphs are not 100% reliable. They still can't be used in court as evidence against someone because they're just not reliable enough. Um, so we need to take that with a pinch of salt. Agent Nutter um, from the OSBI um, Agent Nutter's conclusion was that the Sheriff's Department had nothing to do with the murders of Kathy and Danny or the disappearances of Laura and Ashley. But honestly, they do look kind of guilty from all of the rumours that we have kind of heard at this point. So now let's get into the theories of what might have happened. Um, So the first theory I have is that the sheriff's department was involved. The rumoured feud that was going on between the Freemans and the sheriff's department makes them look guilty, like I said. The botched police work um, also makes them look guilty. How did they not see Danny's body? That makes, like, how can you not see that? Um... From all of the reports from people I've heard, it was like clear as day to see. Um, So how did they not see it? Um, The police were definitely, they kind of seemed shady. The fact that Dwayne, Danny's own brother, claimed that the Craig County Sheriff's Department was intimidating the whole Freeman family. Dwayne also told Danny, apparently... No, Danny told Dwayne, sorry, apparently, that if anything ever happened to him, he should look at the sheriff's department. Um, and honest, honestly, yeah, just the police work was really bad. Just the whole thing. Um, the deputies, however, from the sheriff's department agreed to do a polygraph and passed. Um, usually when someone agrees to do a polygraph, it just shows that, like, they have nothing to hide and they are, like, willing to cooperate, um, and it shows that, yeah, it's, it definitely does show that they aren't guilty, but you never know. 
Um, this theory does have some credibility. Um, like, obviously, because the police are a bit shady. But to me, why would they take Laura and Ashley? Um, surely they wouldn't want to have the, like, the liability of having the two girls in their possession. Why would they kidnap the two girls? And, like, what would they have done with them, you know? Because it would increase their chances of being found out. Um, so... I don't know. It doesn't really make sense. But yeah, the police are shady. Personally, I believe, I don't really believe it. I kind of believe the next theories that I'm about to say. So the second theory that I have is that it was a drug deal gone bad. Um, so confidential informants, including jailhouse snitches, came forward with tips about the girls' disappearance. The majority of information received about the girls was to do with drug addicts, dealers, meth cooks, and drug rings in the northeast of Oklahoma. Many claimed that Danny was a small-time drug trafficker, which obviously we've heard before. Um, Former meth dealers and cooks have come forward and said that they heard rumours that it was a drug deal gone bad. And the girls were abducted, drugged with meth, and repeatedly raped after being taken to a party at a meth house. It isn't clear where this party took place. Some claim it was at the house of a meth cook called Chester Shadwick in Wyandotte. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong again. It's kind of a hard word to say. Um, But I believe that's how it's said. Which is that... Which, so this house... Um, was 50 kilometres west of Welch. Some claim the party was at the decrepit house of father and son drug dealer duo, which great parenting there, getting your son involved in the drug dealing business. Um, and they were called Paul Glover Sr. and Paul Glover Jr., who lived around a bend in the Neosho River. Witnesses signed an affidavit saying they'd seen videotapes and Polaroids of the girls being assaulted. One person who'd signed an affidavit said that they recognised a distinctive rock wall in the picture, um, which he believed to be a part of Shadwick's home. In 2001, officers searched the Shadwick Um, and Glover properties and found VHS tapes, a roll of film, bloodstains on the carpet and a meth lab, but nothing related to Laura and Ashley. The blood wasn't even human. Um, So another thing is, um, so this case obviously is believable. Um, Obviously, like all the tapes said that it was to do with drug dealers and meth addicts and and stuff and that's that all seems very true but to me if it was a drug deal gone bad why would they not take valuable items and money from the home um yeah because obviously like two hundred dollars was still left in the trailer and they found it among the ruins so why why would they leave all that valuable, all those valuable items? 
Um, so the third theory, which I don't believe at all, um, and I'm just kind of saying because I saw it on a couple of sources and it was put forward by the Craig County Sheriff's Department. So I kind of thought it was worth mentioning, even though I don't think it's that believable. Um, and it's that Ashley murdered her own parents. So the theory states that Ashley shot her parents, burned down her home and ran away with Laura. Um, yeah, I don't believe that the girls were capable of murder and I think most people would just agree. Um, why wouldn't they take their money and valuable, valuables with them? Yeah, makes no sense. So I think that the consensus is that the girls were taken because they didn't take their car, valuables, anything. Just, yeah, doesn't make sense. So those are all the theories I have today. Now I'm going to get on to case updates, which are kind of recent. And um, I'm going to talk about the main theory and what actually happened. So first of all, I'm going to talk about an update that happened in 2004. A man named Jeremy Jones, who was arrested in 2004 for rape, murder and arson, became a suspect. He told police he had a guilty conscience over the two girls in Oklahoma. What could that mean? Jones was actually arrested on the morning of December 30th, 1999, which was the morning of the Freeman fire. Only 15 minutes away from Welch, he was drunk and had a syringe in his car with him. Jones was already on death row for a previous murder and he told police he dumped Laurie and Ashley's bodies in Galena, Kansas. Um, I think I'm saying that right, which is 60 kilometres or 37 miles away from Welch. In 2005, Jay and Laureen Bible went to Galena where police searched old mines in the area, but nothing came of the search. Jones recanted his confession and he was just seeking publicity, which is honestly sick. Some people are absolutely horrible people. Why would someone do that to a grieving family like these? Jay and Lorene Bible just want to know what happened to their daughter. They haven't had this, like, clarity and this kind of um, closure that you really need for like for so long and like why would someone do that just to get attention it's just honestly sick and this guy deserves to like rot in jail forever um so 10 years passed and Laureen Bible was still following even the smallest tips and clues um and she was meeting up with drug dealers in the hope of finding out what happened to her daughter I feel like that's something police should be doing, though. I don't know. Um, however, so this is, like, the newest breakthrough in the case, and this is really the theory that everyone believes what I'm about to tell you. So, in 2018, a media conference was held by Craig County District Attorney Matt Ballard. Ballard? I think that's how you say it. I'm mispronouncing everything today, aren't I? 
um, it was announced that police believed they finally found the man responsible for the deaths of Kathy, Danny and Ashley Freeman and Laura Bible. Um, and I believe the Bibles were invited to this media conference. Um, so police arrested a man named Ronnie Dean Busick. In April of 2018, he was arrested and charged with four counts of first-degree murder, two counts of kidnapping and one count of arson. He also named two other men who assisted him in the kidnappings and murders of the Freemans and Laura Bible. Um, these two other men were Phil Welch and Dave Pennington, but they're both deceased. Busick confessed to killing the Freemans, abducting the girls, and keeping them alive for up to seven days. Busick, Welch, and Pennington were welders, which I is a welder like someone who welds metal. It is, isn't it? I think so. Unless there's like another meaning to that word. I'm pretty sure it's not. I'm pretty sure a welder is just someone who like, you know, welds metal. Or like, is it metal? I don't know. I'm being dumb right now. Anyway, yeah. Um, they were also meth addicts and lived in Pitcher at the time of the murders. Pitcher is now an abandoned town filled with disused lead and zinc mines, which is 30 kilometres or 19 miles away from Welch. Busick kept Polaroids of the girls inside a leather briefcase as a trophy and passed them around his social circle of dealers and addicts. Many witnesses came forward who knew Pennington and Welch, saying they bragged about the murders. On July 15th, 2020, Busick pleaded guilty to a reduced charge of accessory to murder. Um, He had an agreement with prosecutors and was sentenced to 10 years in prison with five years probation. Investigators were still looking for information that may lead to the remains of Laura, Bible and Ashley Freeman. Um, Also, to me, it's shocking that he only got 10 years in prison. It's just not enough. Um, he, he seems like just, ew, just such a disgusting human being. And like, why did he only get a short sentence? Like, he was an accessory to murder. So he got a reduced charge. But like, how can he be an accessory to murder? He's the only one alive to like tell people what happened. He's obviously like, responsible for the murder um and like I I just don't believe in that I just don't believe that he was an accessory to murder he clearly had something more to do with the murder he clearly is like extremely responsible for the two girls deaths and it's so sad that he only got 10 years in prison because he deserves more and I feel like the family of the victims deserves to like know that this person is just gonna suffer in jail um 
like for the rest of his life like he deserves to be in jail for the rest of his life it's just I think that's just ridiculous honestly um yeah 10 years I don't I just don't think is enough um anyway that's the end of the case um any more updates or information I would love to know so please dm me on my instagram which is underscore lolo underscore is underscore double o three um because obviously like the case isn't closed they still haven't found any remains of the girls um they still haven't got a like really clear picture of what happened um so yeah any information I'd love to know um make sure to go and follow my instagram if you want to know more about me and i always welcome dms um yeah thank you everyone for listening and see you all next tuesday for another mystery case i was thinking of doing next week like maybe a halloween special or maybe i'll do that later i don't know but i've got some pretty good pretty interesting cases lined up that I'm doing so um that's exciting anyway definitely see you next Tuesday or why did I say see you like speak to you next Tuesday hear you I don't know um anyway yeah so next Tuesday (laughs) um yeah thanks everyone for listening bye